It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to Britain is a Nation of... The podcast where we explore British behaviour by unpacking statistics to understand the little differences... And similarities between us all. I'm Stuart Henderson, Head of News at Yahoo. And I'm Matilda Long, Journalist at Yahoo. And I'm Victoria Valazir, Data Journalist at YouGov. And today we're talking about animals. From whether we think dogs should be allowed in the office, to how we feel about sharing our beds with our pets, and whether it is morally acceptable to own an animal. And we're joined by special guest Nat Ing- a canine behaviourist and training manager at Battersea Dogs and Cats Home in London. Hello, Nat. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I'm going to start off with a nice, easy question. <laughs> For the room, <laughs> do you have any pets, Nat? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, I have a crazy cock spaniel called mm-hmm. Oakley, who That's is... yeah. <laughs> It is a good name. He's super fun. Um, but like all Spaniels, he's quite a noisy boy. So he likes to talk all the time, generally has a lot to say, regardless of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I think as somebody that works in behaviour, um, we always tend to have the worst behaved pets. <laughs> that seems to be the general rule that you get home and you're like, ah, oh, you can do whatever you want. I'm not going to worry about training you. I've been training animals all day, so um, you, you can just home. chill out yeah, and relax. Um, so he's a rescue dog. I got him from Battersea when he was... Um, about eight weeks old so mm. he came into us as a tiny puppy um, who a couple had bought from a pet shop um, and then realised that they weren't actually allowed pets in their accommodation oh my God. so they were in rented accommodation so you think you'd check before yeah, you get a <laughs> you'd think but you know um, luckily they did the right thing brought him into us and as soon as I saw him I was like I'll foster him and take him home and I failed as a foster carer (laughs) and um, kept him. So, yeah, um, he's now nine years old, so he's super fun. Oh, so we've got Mm -hmm. one dog owner. Mm -hmm. Stuart, I know the answer to your question. Do you have any pets? I have two cats, uh, Twiglet and Pippin. Uh, Pippin is entirely pretentious named after after the main character in Great Expectations because he was so small when we got him. No, no, no. His full name name is Philip Pirrip. Uh, (laughs) Sure, because cats need full names. (laughs) Uh, And there, so yeah, uh, Twiglet's the mum, Pippin is her son, and they were rescued cats. And I think we've had, I think we've had them like about 10 years, maybe more than that. I think. I'm always surprised by how old they've got. Mm. Um, and So which is the one you always complain about? I and complain about... Twiglet's the one I complain about. Right. Because as we might come to later, uh, she's quite um, demanding for her affection, yeah. uh, particularly at night time. And we made a very significant strategic error last May around that. Uh, and Pippin doesn't keep himself to himself, but he's far more self-reliant. Right. Um, so yes, they're lovely. Victoria, <laughs> are you a pet owner? Uh, not really, but I do live in a house with two cats. They're just not mine. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I'm a lodger in like a family home and they mm-hmm. have they have two kittens. Um, do you get not, along? Yes, I love the cats. <laughs> it was a massive sales point for me to move into the house. <laughs> nice. There were these cats. They are called Big Cat and Little Cat. And they are very, very cute. 
I feel like you guys should like come and help us name all of our animals. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I would love Big that. Big dog, small dog. <laughs> yeah, dog. My, uh, my next door neighbour's got two kittens recently uh, and it was so much fun trying to name yeah. them. Um, one, of them was, one of them ended up being called Domino and I was it was black and white mm. and I was pushing for Magnum, which I thought was a cool name. <laughs> yeah, but they went for Domino. fast so. foods. Uh, and the other one is still called Fluffy Thing because they haven't Fluffy named thing. it yet. Nice. Just it's going to stick boy. though. Yeah. It will okay, be. Fluffy, it will fluffy be fluff, Thing forever. Yeah. Matilda, do you have any pets? <laughs> I don't have any pets. I also live in a building where I'm not allowed them. Oh. Um, when I was little, I had I had little pets like guinea pigs and hamsters and small small fluffy things. But mm-hmm. I'd like a dog, but I can't at the moment. Sometime in the one day, one day. <laughs> so the YouGov survey that I'm going to talk about today is about the ethics of humans having animals as pets. So the question asked, do you think it's morally acceptable or unacceptable for humans to keep animals as pets? So 83% of people said it's acceptable for humans to keep animals as pets. So the vast majority. And then 7% of people said it's unacceptable. 10% of people said they didn't know. So it's worth noting here that the survey didn't refer to any specific animals. It just said animals, which might be a factor in why so many people said they didn't know. And also I think would really change people's answer to the question. If it was specifically cats and dogs, maybe it would be higher. But obviously, if it was a lion you might have had a slightly different answer. Um, and <laughs> digging, <yes. laughs> digging into the numbers a little bit here, uh, men are twice as likely as women to say that it's morally unacceptable for humans to have pets, 8% compared to 4%. And women are a bit more likely to say that they don't know. Um, in terms of age, that's another way that these things vary quite a bit. The older you are, the more likely you are to say that it is morally acceptable to have a pet. 80% of 18 to 24-year-olds think this, 81% of 25 to 49-year-olds, and 85% of people in the over 50s categories think that it's morally acceptable to keep pets. People surprised by those numbers, Nat? I mean, there's a lot of numbers there. (laughs) Um, I think it really varies, doesn't it, on on what people consider to be pet ownership as well, Mm. because working in rescue you see a full range of different types of pet owners you see some really great people that are prepared to go above and beyond for the animals and um, that they care for and Mm. set up anything that that animal needs to meet all of their requirements and things and then you also see the worst of society Mm. and I think if that's what you're thinking about then I wouldn't be surprised by people saying no we shouldn't be keeping animals as pets because a lot of animals um you know, do get don't get what they need and mm-hmm. have horrific things happen to them. But then when you see all the really wonderful people that go really over and above and beyond to do whatever their animals need, you know, spend all the money that they need to um, look after them, medical costs, you know, I've mm. known people create special rooms for their animals and, um, you know, cats that maybe have got three legs that need special kind of outdoor environments mm-hmm. and equipment and stuff and people that really meet all of those requirements and you think actually that's mm. a wonderful thing that we're doing and those people are looking after those animals and, and meeting everything they need. So, mm. Yeah, I guess it it depends, like you yeah. say, on what they're considering. Well, what, um, what's sort of one of the main reasons that uh, humans give up on their pets? And you, what's the main yeah. reason they come through the door? We, when I first started at Battersea, we saw, which was a long time ago, so I've been there for like twelve years now, um, and we had a lot of dogs that came in um, as strays, mm. um, and over the years, that's gen- that's shifted now to what we call gifts. So majority of our intake now is people actually bringing their dogs um, into us because of a change in circumstance or, or some mm. reason that they can't look after them anymore. Um, 
a lot of people nowadays um, get a dog with all the best intentions, but it's so hard. Like you were saying, you're in um, rented accommodation mm. or you're lodging and things. Mm. So people, especially in London, find it really hard to find accommodation where they can have dogs or cats and are allowed to have pets. So I think they get them and then things change. Mm. They have to move. Um, and then it's so hard to find somewhere that you're allowed to take your pet with you. Mm. Um, and then, unfortunately, they have to give them up. So... Mm. So I think my assumption was that like it was still that kind of waves and strays thingy, mm-hmm. and you're kind of going around scooping them up off the street. <laughs> I'm sure that's still the case. But is so when they drop them off, like I guess I hadn't really thought about that as much. I assume some of these owners are like devastated. Oh, they are. Like mm. regardless of the reason that people need to give their pets up, um, they are always absolutely devastated. I think it's probably one of the hardest, and sometimes. Yeah, it is the hardest decision that somebody needs to make um, because equally they've got to think about what's in the best interest of themselves and their pet, um, whether that's a dog or cat and whatever the reason is. I think bringing them into us or another rescue ideally is always the best way forward because we will look after those animals, do whatever they need to sort of get them ready to go into a new home um, and also try and find the right home for that animal. Whereas things like online pet sales, you don't really know who you're giving your pet mm. to um, and you don't you can't sort of check um, where your pet's going to um, and that can be quite scary I think and I think it's quite for me definitely as an animal lover it's really scary to think okay you just click on online and suddenly yeah, just definitely. rehome a pet, an animal or sell mm. a pet without any checks and and things like that so I think definitely rescue is always the best way to mm. go whether you're having to give your pet up or you're looking to rehome mm. and take mm. on a new one. So regarding the ethical considerations Mm. of owning a pet, so PETA, the animal rights organisation, they say their position is that they believe it would have been best if pet keeping had never happened. They call pet ownership a selfish desire and say that keeping animals causes immeasurable suffering, which results from manipulating their breeding, selling or giving them away casually and depriving them of the opportunity to engage in their natural behaviour. So I think the bit that I'd like to pick out is their argument that owning a pet deprives them of the opportunity to engage in their natural behaviour. Is that true, Nat? Um, I think it depends, again, on the animal and the situation. So um, the Animal Welfare Act um, states that there are five freedoms that people need to meet when you're looking after animals, regardless of whether they're pets or um, farm animals and things like that. Um, One of the five freedoms is to exhibit natural behaviour. So you'll see with all sorts of animal keepership, um, whether that's zoo animals, farm animals or pet animals, there are there's legislation around ensuring that you're meeting those five freedoms so that they've got things like access to food and water, mm-hmm. shelter. Yeah, so it's a um, legal, so it's a legal requirement, yeah. yeah. Um, I think mm-hmm. your natural behaviour is within reason because natural behaviour can be lovely behaviour as well as slightly more tricky and complicated behaviour. Mm. I think it's about meeting animals' needs and that's meeting their physical exercise. So with dogs making sure that they are getting the physical exercise that they need, whether that's walks for dogs that are physically fit enough to go on walks or some people will take them to hydrotherapy if they're maybe slightly older and arthritic and find walking harder, then it's better for their mm-hmm. joints. Um, but it's also about meeting their mental um, requirement and um, that mental stimulation through whether that's toy play or um, search games for all sorts <laughs> of animals like um, cats really enjoy kind of going and 
you know, a lot of people just feed their cat from one bowl um, and sort of just give them their food and that's it. But if you think cats in the wild go out hunting um, and looking for their food, so actually splitting up their food portions and moving it around so it's in different places around the really? house can oh, give them a really, yeah, can give them a really good like outlet for that. Yeah, like Brilliant. an Easter egg hunt. <laughs> it allows them to really, um, that is <laughs> expressing their natural behavior oh, and stuff in a different way. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's interesting what Peter I think. Mm. I think my general opinion is I, I agree with them broadly. Mm. I think it is possibly, well... That I, element I picked out was the bit that jarred with yeah. the rest. The rest of it, I don't think, well, is I, that controversial. Like, poor breeding practices and giving animals away casually. I think most people would agree that that's ethically not that great. The, the idea of it would be better if we'd never had cats, That was, or never had um Never pets, domesticated. Never domesticated, yeah. I thought was interesting. And I think actually prior to doing a bit of research on this, I think I was probably in that camp, and therefore a massive hypocrite, Um but actually, there was the idea that I didn't really know about rather rather than being like a dog being man's best friend, a man being dog's best friend is something I hadn't really come across before. Rather than it just being man's domestication of dogs, it's like they came together at a point in history uh, when it suited both parties yeah. and they learned to cohabit because that kind of hunting of dogs lent itself to the kind of increasing or nomadic existence of humans. And actually, that was something that I've clearly ever skimmed over and don't know too much about. <laughs> it's something I will read up on because I'd never really considered that. And mm-hmm. actually that kind of sense of being good for each other was interesting. Yeah. Um, however, despite that, people who have dogs particularly talk about dogs being part of the family. Very and much. therefore, it does feel like you should take more... Like, you never, you don't go and have kids and start going, well, let's have a kid and we'll see what happens. Like, you put an awful lot of th- thought into it. And I think that a lot of people get pets who don't put as much thought into it mm. and for people who have pets whose circumstances change a little bit but not massively i mean like if you found yourself in a situation where you had to go down to a charity and give your give your kids away because you had to move house because you hadn't bought a house and you weren't sure like that's mad mm. so it does feel like do so you think it's some... unethical to buy a pet unless you're completely sure i, I absolutely think that yeah mm. like, me and my wife talked about that when we were renting and we didn't because mm. because we wouldn't know that, that the place we lived in did accept cats but we wouldn't know what our circumstances would change. So, mm. so one of the most heartbreaking moments with my cat was when, so my family used to move around a lot when I was younger mm. and we moved, uh, like we would move countries. And so we moved from uh, one country to the other and we decided to bring the cat with us, um, which obviously for cats in particular is hard, right? Yeah. So they're very, very attached to where they are. And my cat also just really despised, as probably most cats do, like the cat box. Yeah. And... Um, so we put him in the cat box and he was just noisy throwing himself against the door and I was maybe 12 years old 13 years old so it was breaking my heart to be in the airport holding this cat box this cat hurling (laughs) himself against the door going (laughs) everyone just staring at us like who are you cruel awful people give the cat away and then it comes out just on the same thing that the suitcases come out what just at the very end after all the suitcases (laughs) just the little cat box with my cat sitting inside just staring out purest death (laughs) I've ever seen you you will never ever redeem yourself in my (laughs) eyes but then we did you know we just we did the whole thing where you slowly kind of get them used to the new place put them in one room and then two and then three and whatever and then he was fine in the end but it was pretty heartbreaking and it was definitely something where yeah it just makes me think like you do have to really consider Mm. what what turmoil you're putting that animal through when you move on in your life and decide whether to bring them with you 
relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, that's a nice segue to my survey. So I'm going to ask the, the room um, whether you think it's okay or if you have a pet, whether you do allow it to share a bed with you of an evening. I can see all the eyes <laughs> coming my way. Um, what does the so we, it, I should say that the YouGov poll was about dogs specifically, yeah. but I'm just going to, we'll come back to that, but let's talk about more broadly at the moment. Um, so I currently don't let my dog sleep on my mm. bed, um, but he has done. And if we go away and we're, say, in a hotel and stuff, then he'll just dive straight onto the bed under the duvet really? and curl up. Yeah, he's a proper <laughs> snuggler. So um, and he slept in our bed um, in our previous flat. Um, and since moving, we've now got an upstairs and a downstairs. And I was like, no, actually, you can stay Ooh. downstairs <laughs> now. <laughs> you have the sofa and we have our bed. Um, so I personally don't have a problem with it. Um, I think it's really down to individual preferences. Um, and also depends on the individual animal um yeah. i'm not a fan of cats sleeping on the bed but i think that's because that? i'm more of a i love cats mm. but i don't like it when you're like sleeping and then in the middle of the night you just feel these paws oh. on top mm. of your head and they start that's like so pouring at your <laughs> hair and like then the nails come out a little bit and they start kneading away and i'm just yeah, you're a bit like far oh, more polite than I'm gonna yeah. be. <laughs> <laughs> so like, i can't really cope with that but um I guess I've had good experiences. All my dogs have always been quite snuggly, so they like oh. curl up and things, and um, it's quite cute. Um, but yeah, I think it's down to personal preference. Okay. Victoria? Um, so I totally didn't mind my cat sleeping in the bed. I always thought it was kind of cute. He would sometimes, he would sleep like, so I would sleep on my stomach, he'd sleep on my back, or he'd just sleep Aww. on my head. <laughs> or I'd just wake up and he was just on my face. But I never found it annoying. I always thought it was kind of cute. My dog was enormous. Um, I think he... I don't remember about actively teaching him not to get on the bed, mm -hmm. but he knew he wasn't supposed okay. to because sometimes I would come home mm. and he would be <laughs> lying on my bed and he would just whoosh, jump right off and I'd be like, hey. Looking guilty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and I mean, I think if I'd let him in the bed, he would have taken up the entire bed. So mm. cats, yes, this particular... I, dogs, I don't know. I'd already thought about it with dogs. I used to have a golden retriever when I was um, younger and um, she'd get on the bed, but she only had a single bed because I was a kid and she had this really good way of just kind of basically sprawling herself out mm -hmm. so she'd have her head on my pillow and then like take up the length of the bed and then slowly the start yeah. pushing you nice. out until you end up pretty much like no bed left and the dog's on the bed and you're kind of like okay you know, this isn't is gonna this? work yeah Matilda I said, I've never had a pet cat or a pet dog. Um, I was, staying, <laughs> I was uh, staying with a friend recently who had two little kittens. This is my friend um, who lives in Mexico, so the little Mexican kittens. Um, and I... They meow differently. Yeah, <laughs> the catitos. Um, and they, I slept in on a sofa bed in her flat in the living room, and that's where the cats were. And 
they were so annoying. Yeah. As you said, like getting the getting the pores out. So I I've got quite long curly hair, podcast <laughs> listeners, and they were obsessed with it. Oh, so that's... they would just be playing with my hair and they kept waking me up. But then as soon as they calmed down and sort of curled up in a little ball, it was so, so cute. I really liked it. <laughs> I like you when you're but, unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> um and for some reason though, I have a slightly different opinion about it being a dog. I I find it a bit gross. <laughs> I gross. think I think you'd have dog hair in your bed. Cat yes, you would. It. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I, yeah. Well, we'll come on. To, we'll come on to some of the positives and negatives. Mm. Um, my one of my cats are allowed, uh, and um, we decided, like last May, for one reason or another, we decided to allow the cat to start sleeping. One of them <laughs> both, but only one of them's taken us up on the offer, <laughs> uh, and she is incredibly annoying. And really, they that scrunchy thingy, yeah, with Ooh. their paws, it's constant, <laughs> ruining our bed, ruining the duvet. It's really annoying, but I don't like. They Can't feel we can the stop now. Because then she'll just ruin the door. Yeah. Um, so that's quite frustrating. Um, so according to a, a new set, um, according to YouGov, uh, they asked uh, people whether or not it's okay to sleep with pets in the bed. It's very, very interesting. It was completely and utterly split down the middle. Mm. 44% said it was okay. And 44% said it wasn't okay. Ooh, divisive issue. 12% said mm. uh, they didn't know. Uh, women were relatively significantly more likely to uh, to say it was okay. Mm. Uh, so fifty percent of women said it was okay compared to thirty eight percent of men, which I guess oh, is quite, it's quite a big yeah, it's quite big. Uh, in terms of a regional breakdown, people from London were fairly much less likely to say it was okay. Really? Yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> uh, and in terms of an age breakdown, younger people were significantly more likely to say it was cool. Uh, eighteen to tw- eighteen to twenty four year olds, sixty one percent said it was okay. And that goes down to 31% for 65-year-olds and older. Uh, I don't know why that is. I don't see why age would necessarily have well, that this, much to do with it. So, I, so there's a number of things here. So I, I agree with you on the face of it. Like, mm. there shouldn't be any particular difference. Men, women, like, age, whatever. Mm. But I wonder if it is when it comes down to the practicalities of it, when you think about it. Like, of course older people are going to be less likely to want to share their bed with an animal. They're like... They're older, they're perhaps more uh, precious about their sleep, Uh, they're more, um, they have a greater routine, more routines than younger people. It kind of makes sense. Um, I think it might be more to with like generationally, I think pets used to sort of just be pets and do Mm. their thing. Like dogs were just allowed to be dogs and Mm. do what they wanted to. (laughs) Yeah. And I think so maybe older people see them more as actually they stay downstairs, they stay mm. in the kitchen or in the garden or what have you. It's like a more and they're more role for Yeah, them. and and you had them, yes, as pets, but also more as jobs like farm mm. dogs and things like that. Whereas mm. maybe us younger generations, I'll refer to us, I'm gonna add <laughs> myself into the young generation here, had um, you know, pets are more part of the family and all of that social benefit that comes with that attachment with animals and um, you know, the benefits of kids being around dogs and cats and Mm. having those pets and sort of disclosing all their secrets to them and becoming their best friend and things. And I think there's a more symbiotic relationship, whereas maybe 
Yeah, it's interesting because we, um, when we got our dog, (laughs) just painting my dad as this really animal resistant. I mean, he (laughs) is, (laughs) but he really didn't want us to get a dog either. But then we managed to convince him of that by saying that he was going to be a guard dog strictly for security purposes. Um, He ended up with the soppiest dog. (laughs) (laughs) To his credit, he had an incredible ability to know when someone was dodgy or questionable. It was really weird. There was a guy who ended up being a thief who was kind of masquerading as a post officer who was going around knocking all the doors and no our way. dog hated him and he ran up to the gate bared his teeth and just like growled at him and he got he looked really scary when he did that and the guy ran off and then we found out he was a thief so no. anyway he good is dog. a good guard good dog boy. but the <laughs> point being that my dad was always a lot stricter about like he will not sit on the sofa he will yeah. not come into my room blah 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 he serves this function while mm. we were like would you wish you that sort of age di- difference that approach with younger people treating it I guess is even more part of the family I guess this is most um, visually seen on perhaps Instagram uh, mm. and as hashtag dogs of Instagram <laughs> where you know, there's a succession of pictures of I guess some people could say they look cute and stuff but basically just I like guess you could humans say the puppies are cute <laughs> the humans like I guess dressing up their pet their mm. dogs like how do we feel about that should we just think oh, that's alright that's and, definitely not natural behaviour, having had that yeah, uh, discussion earlier. But, but, but then we, we're very, it seems to I'd be interested. So it would have, according to the survey, perhaps a few years ago, actually, the idea of dogs co-sleeping with humans would have been like, oh, my God, no, you, would, you wouldn't do that. Yeah. But this kind of dogs becoming much more of a part of a family and almost being treated more equally. Is that healthy? I mean, the dressing dogs up, I'm going to say maybe a step too far. I think... Um, it depends on the reason. Um, so, yeah, certain dogs um, with certain coat types um, living in certain climates might need, you know, to keep warm in the winter when we've got, like, the beast from the east coming, which mm-hmm. we haven't had this year. But, you know, when it's absolutely freezing cold, if you've got a dog that's not got much coat, short-coated dog, then, yeah, you're going to want to put something on them. Um but it's really about getting them used to wearing those items and those mm. coats and jackets and things really gradually. So for them, it's normal and they're happy mm. with it. Um, I think just dressing them up with random items like fancy dressing, you see things like that. I'm a bit like, oh, it's not really ideal. Um, I think it's not ideal for the dog and if that dog encounters another dog, the other dog's going to look at it and go, what on earth mm. is going on there? And you, you can end up... Yeah, I think, you know, you, oh, we already see things like so your brachycephalic breeds, which are the flat-faced dogs, mm. um, and dogs that have, um, I mean, it's illegal to crop ears and tails and things like that now, but luckily, but all of those features are really important to dogs. So when you start to have dogs with ears that are cropped and tails mm. that are docked and things like that, it's harder for other dogs to read their body language. Oh. And they communicate so that's much really through body language that all of a sudden you'll get a dog that's kind of looking at one mm. going, what on earth I I don't know are you like are you friendly are you not friendly are you like staring at me and you know the other dog might just be stood there going this is me Um, I can't do anything (laughs) about it but yeah um, I don't think people really think about yeah so I think you know dressing them up with really weird fancy dress stuff is is a little bit too far Mm. Um, I think where there's a purpose for the dog's benefit fine but Mm -hmm. so the body language thing yeah this is interesting (laughs) so like what sort of messages can a dog if if a dog or a cat i guess a dog in this case is trying to convey that less sad like or not so if they're trying to read other dogs i guess like what sort of signals do they look for like how can and how can we observe that or how do you know that how do how's this observable so if you think about humans um and we've got like personal space and you'll have certain people that um are 
absolutely fine with people coming right up close to them and definitely cultures. So um, mm-hmm. I was born in Italy and Italy everyone greets each other by like two kisses, one on each side, you know, and like hugs and things. It doesn't matter if you've met the person for the first time in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like no personal space. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas here in the UK, we tend to be a lot more mm-hmm. distance, shake hands and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you think people with their body language will say if they're comfortable with somebody coming closer or or not or they'll verbally say to you actually I'm not happy at the moment can you leave me alone Mm. Um, you might get angry with somebody and you'd raise your voice and things like that it's the same with animals so dogs will use their body language um, and their vocalizations to kind of indicate whether they want to increase the distance between themselves and whatever else whether it's another dog or a human or an object um, or if they're nice and comfortable and it's fine to sort of decrease that distance and go and say hello Um, so if you watch them carefully pick up on all the cues so you're looking for things like tails are really um, tails that the indication that everyone sort of most commonly looks at Mm -hmm. Um, although once you start studying dog body language tails are actually a bit of a misconception (laughs) because a wagging tail doesn't necessarily mean that the dog is friendly it kind of depends on what type of wag, how fast, how high the tail carriage is and things like that. Um, Yeah, you can look at body language if they're curving away or not and things like that. So all sorts of things, Mm. but yeah. That's fascinating. I guess in a way relevant because I think that this, the survey that I'm talking about is very much about kind of what spaces it's okay to bring your pet into, Mm. if that makes sense. Um, So I guess the go-round question would just be, do you think that it is acceptable and or something we should actively encourage mm. to have dogs in the workplace. I feel like I know where you're going to go with this. I think Matilda and I could come to blows over this. Yeah, we've had this discussion quite a lot at the office. Absolutely, yes. I think it's a really nice thing to have dogs in the office. I've worked mm-hmm. in offices before where there were dogs. And I think the main argument people use against it is that it's distracting. It's just not the case. You, you might pet the dog for... 30 seconds you're not distracted for the whole day I've never <laughs> seen that to be the case and I think it's I just think it's really nice I love having dogs around but solid I love dogs, yes so yes strong yes <laughs> Stuart um, <laughs> I, I, I feel like my gut reaction is no and it probably presents me as a bit of a Luddite but um, I don't know I wouldn't have my kids in the office um, <laughs> I, I, w- I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want anyone's kids in the office um, I feel like you can't I, I feel like it'd be you can't like tell a dog what to do. It's almost like in the same way you talked earlier about having an access like dogs becoming accessories. Like dogs' natural habitats, I'm pretty sure aren't in an office, so mm-hmm. it might be great for humans. Um, but is that fair on a dog to be in an office? I have only just made that up on the spot. Yeah. Whereas, whereas previously, I haven't so you said think that. you think it's because um, the dogs don't like it? That's not what you said before. But Nat has uh, expanded my horizons so <laughs> effectively in the last five minutes. I now have another reason why I don't think so. Oh, it just doesn't feel right, and I don't really have uh, any um, rationale around it. Mm. Um, there are also, of course, uh, potential legal and insurance issues. Scenarios where uh, a dog could bite or trip an employee. Like you can't literally tell a dog what to do. You can trip over a, but you can piece train of plastic a dog. on the floor. Yeah, well, you said you can't tell a dog what to do. Children, I think. Nat, <laughs> 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 that's not true. Um, I yes. obviously Matt. would agree <laughs> with having um, animals in the workplace, All but work I think. <laughs> No heckling from the floor. Well, <laughs> I I think there's yeah I think I would struggle to find somewhere that 
you know, hospitals. I think having pets in hospitals is a brilliant it's idea, and there's so many benefits. Comfort um, dogs, don't you? Yeah, you mm. see patients um, respond to them. It <laughs> <laughs> would calm everyone down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Funeral parlour. Pick up a puppy. Yeah, why not? Yeah, it helps comfort people. I think you know. I think there's just um, there's so many benefits. I think the difficulty is um, you have to have the right animal in the right situation mm. um so we have dogs in all of our offices at work um so the dogs in the kennels at Battersea have a bit of time out of kennels by going and hanging out in the offices and you can guarantee that there will be one dog per day that maybe goes into the office and then it's like actually you're not suitable for this environment because right. mm-hmm. they're like leaping on top of all the desks and things and we're like you can go back and um or you need a bit more time with somebody training you to stay in a bed and settle down whereas you get other dogs like um greyhounds I always find hilarious because they literally go onto the office into the offices on the floors and um they might have a couple of like zoomy moments like, this is really cool and exciting i'm out of my kennel and then all of a sudden you just see them flop over on their side and <laughs> that's them done out, for the yeah. whole day um but i think coming from rescue i guess the biggest thing is if somebody's looking to rehome a dog or take on a dog um and they can take their dogs to work they shouldn't assume that just because they can do that that it's going to work. Um, Every dog is an individual and every work environment is very different. So I think you should always take on your pets, assuming, you know, be prepared to have to leave them at home and get a dog walker in or a cat sitter and things like that if you're working full time. Think of all those contingencies and then it's bonus if it works out that they settle into Mm. an office environment. Mm. Um, You know, people just think, oh, I'll just walk in with my dog and let my dog off lead in an office environment. It's going to be fine. Um, you need to take time to train them in that situation. So taking like a week off work, but still going into work every day with your dog. Mm. Um, so you can say, okay, right, you're going to settle in your bed. I'm going to re- teach you how to settle in your bed and then have regular breaks. But I think for employees, it's got brilliant benefits. You know, people actually go out during their lunch break for a walk rather than staying at yes, their desk, Stuart. you know. I'm, I'm not sold. I'm um, not sold. Right. So when you, when you apply to join Batsy Dogs yeah. and Cats Home, right, you, I'm pretty sure you're aware you're going to be working with dogs and cats yeah. for the majority of the time. <laughs> um, I feel like part the heart of this conversation is what rights do we ascribe to animals as opposed to humans, right? And I feel like if you had an office, a dog, an office with a dog in it, what about people who are allergic to dogs? Like, are you potentially saying that, well, no, you can't apply to work in this office environment because you're allergic to dogs? That's, that sounds like absolute bonkers But then if it was a um, guide dog, too much. a guide dog would be allowed in that office, no problems. Uh, but you could, aren't often guide dogs non-allergic? No. Oh, no. <laughs> 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 so it turns out um, the majority so of... dog but, but that, that are less, that, that are less um, have less analogenics whatever the word is so um but you know this i this concept that certain breeds and coats um you know people aren't allergic to them it's kind of not a hundred percent foolproof you know Mm -hmm. um so yeah but the guide dog is there you've lost the guide dog is there for (laughs) the human whereas the like had to provide to support the human's Mm -hmm. right to be in the office environment to be in any office environment yeah it does feel like you know that is that is moving the needle quite significantly. So I and and I don't necessarily hmm. disagree with the soft benefits of. Oh, actually, you wouldn't even describe the soft benefits about sort of reduced anxiety, all that sort of stuff. It's not necessarily about the distraction, but having something where, you know, even you know, having a sort of a legal definition around dogs should be allowed in the office. It just feels 
too much to me. Hmm. So the YouGov poll showed, YouGov real-time survey showed that two-thirds of Brits are on your side, Stuart. They think employees should not be allowed (laughs) to bring dogs into the workplace. (laughs) One in four, 23%, don't have an issue with it, and the rest say they don't know. Hmm. So similar, I suppose, to some of the other surveys we've looked at, young people are significantly more likely to think the workplace should be doggy-friendly, but Hmm. even then, the no's outweigh the yeses. So a third of 18 to 24s think that dogs should be allowed, while half say they shouldn't. And comparably among those aged 55 and above, it's less than one in five who think that dogs should be allowed into the office. Now, what I think is quite interesting about this is that at least here in the UK, that is like a pretty decisive no. Mm. And yet more and more offices are becoming Mm. like dog friendly. So if you look online, um, these are these are examples from the US as well. But Amazon does it. Uh, Salesforce, Google, Ticketmaster, loads of really big companies Mm. are becoming dog friendly. Apparently, Google uh, has allowed dogs since they set up and a uh, they've got a name for a person who works at Google who has a dog, which is a doogler, a dog owning (laughs) doogler. Very exciting. Um, Their company policy says Google's affection for our canine friends is an integral facet of our corporate culture. Ticketmaster offers pet insurance. Like, you know, some of them are really going the whole way. Um, But an article from 2018 said that just 8% of American workplaces allow dogs in them. So I think it's like a couple of high profile Mm. places, but it's definitely not yet mainstream and certainly not in the UK. That said, we do have a Bring Your Dog to Work Day, which is Friday the 22nd of June, everyone. Um, Set up by Pet Sitters International, which is an association for pet sitters, which I thought was quite good. Um, And 300 companies took part the first time around and and more and more continue to do so. So it's interesting because it feels like a strange issue where there isn't really a public appetite for it but mm. workplaces seem to be moving closer and closer towards it maybe because of all of the kind of listed benefits that do get discussed about reduced anxiety yeah. about going outside and all that kind of stuff I think there's huge benefits having animals in the workplace and I think but it is about um, thinking about the animal as well and mm. making sure you know mm. I appreciate you couldn't have an office where all of a sudden 20 people come to work with their dogs. Um, All 20 dogs might not get on and things. So Mm -hmm. you'd have to have a rotor. There's things that would need to be thought of around it. And also you need to kind of educate people within that work environment on dog body language so that Mm -hmm. they're not interacting with dogs that maybe just want to chill out and be by themselves Mm -hmm. for a little bit. You know, keeping bins out the way we've um, (laughs) learned over the years. Um, We need special bins that um, can't be raided and, um, you know, handbags (laughs) need to be zipped up, especially if you've got my dog around, you need to, like, keep everything well clear. Spaniels like to hold everything. (laughs) At my old workplace, which was a shared office space, there was an incident once which was pretty entertaining. There were so many dogs in this workplace and there was a new dog that came in one day who was very excitable, running around, blah, blah, blah. And he ended up going into a lady's bag and pulling out a box of tampons oh, and no. just oh. playing all over the floor, ripping them up, having the best time. Having the absolute time. Oh, my God. And this woman didn't see because she was turned the other way the whole time. Oh. And me and my colleague were having a very formal meeting. And then I sort of saw it out of the corner. I just cracked up laughing. He turned around. He was like, oh, my God. And we obviously had to go over and tell her. And she was mortified. Oh. So mortified. So yeah, that dog probably wasn't ready for the office. No. <laughs> I was going to ask if we think dogs are special. Like, are they just slightly, like in terms of pet quality? Pet quality. Oh, I think... In their relationships with humans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, way, I think way. it's, it depends on the human, really, I think, as to which animals you 
become attached to um, and also your experiences with those animals. I think um, dogs are incredible because um, they're so versatile and we've got so many different breeds of dogs, so many types. Like at Battersea, we get all sorts that come in, um, young dogs, old dogs, um, designer breeds that, you know, have suddenly boomed to your mongrels that you look at and you go what what's inside this dog and you everyone's kind of trying to guess the breed that's in the dog you get all sorts of different breeds and, and different types that come in and we really get something that suits absolutely everybody and we get some incredible dogs that go off to do amazing jobs so the dogs that become I'll say your average pet not as in it's a bad thing it's an amazing thing these pet dogs that have been through really tough times and yet they forgive humans with everything that's happened to them and create these great relationships in their new home. Um, we have dogs that go off to do jobs and work in that's the so police cute. force and <laughs> like, you job. know, that really awesome dogs that go and do search and rescue that, you know, um, go off to airports to search bags mm. for all sorts of things. And they're just absolutely incredible. And I think, you know, then you get the dogs and the cats that go and sit in like old people's homes and keep people company. And, you know, we have a group um, that go over to the Chelsea pensioners on a regular basis um, and just light up their world. Um, and I think that, you know, that's pretty special. But I don't want to take away from other animals. I was going to say, say you've successfully not answered that question. And a horse lover. And I think there's <laughs> benefits with all animals in different ways. But I think dogs are definitely a popular choice for people. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons why they are. Dogs are the most popular pet globally. Nice. I looked this up, followed by cats. I was going to say, I reckon cats are sneaking yeah. up there quickly. <laughs> followed by, then followed by fish, and then followed by birds. Uh, but in the um, UK specifically, 27% of people own a dog and 27% of people own a cat. Mm. It's you, the same. Would you also like to know which are happier, dog owners or cat owners? <laughs> there was a, a study last year in America <laughs> uh, which asked who are happier, dog owners or cat owners. Mm. I mean, it's going to be cats, otherwise you wouldn't be sharing yeah. it. <laughs> no. oh, It'd be suppressing I don't the I do like I mean, cats. I don't know why I'm taking dog owners probably <laughs> exercise more than cat owners, don't they? Because they've got to go for a walk, so well, okay, surely yeah, they'd be happier. The, it's the classic causal or non-causal, but anyway. <laughs> so when asked if they were uh, very, very happy, 11% um, uh, of cat owners said they were happy. 33% of dog owners said they were happy. Only 14% of dog and cat owners said they were happy. Ooh. But the biggest result was no pets at all. 39% of people said they were happy. <laughs> I'm sorry, but is this just people who have pets being asked just separately if Are they're you happy? happy yeah. It was by the General Social Survey in America. It was American pet owners as well. Okay. But I'd like to say this is not broad, a good survey. Yeah. Broadly, broadly speaking, the takeaway is that happiness is a warm dog. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's how you interpret stats. <laughs> now, at the end of each episode, we'd like to yeah. do a Britain is a nation of... Clearly pet lovers right yeah. we want to have them we think it's morally acceptable to have them mm -hmm. uh, we don't want them at work uh, I think it became clear that younger people are more into mm. dogs and pets being a playing a more being fuller part the of their lives yeah. yeah that's definitely a part of it isn't it um, so it's a trend definitely <laughs> where we're getting closer bring them to, to the dogs. office bring them into bed bring them god knows where one set that we've not looked at is how many overall are actual rescue owners I like to think people are trying to meet their needs more and more I know that there's some awful stories out there but I think equally there's some amazing stories of what people how people go above and beyond for their for their pets so we agreed Britain is a nation of pet obsessed animal lovers yes 
good dog. (laughs) (laughs) If you'd like to see the full results of these surveys, visit YouGov or find in-depth articles and analysis on uk.news.yahoo.com forward slash Biano. We'll be back next week with more discussion around British stats and behaviour. So please subscribe if you've enjoyed today's show and feel free to reach out on Twitter using hashtag Biano. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.